0: This episode is sponsored by Fawn's Music.
1: With Fawn's Music coasters, you can make the vibe at your get-togethers open source. And what does that mean? That
0: means that everyone can add to the playlist as the night goes on, simply by tapping their phone on a coaster and picking their latest jam from Spotify.
1: Do you have big parties? People in the kitchen, people in the living room, people in the basement then you should get multiple coasters and just spread those babies around the house.
2: Now you're free to mingle without anyone bugging you to whip out your phone, look up a song, and add it to the list because they can do it for themselves with a Fonz Coaster.
0: Share the love of music and make your parties next level awesome. And get $5 off with our special code oldtimey at FonzMusic.com.
1: F-O-N-Z music.com. That's old-timey at fawnsmusic.com, so they know Old Timey Crimey sent you.
2: You're listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here are your hosts, Christy, Amber, and Scott.
1: It's old-timey crimey i'm christy i'm
2: hopped up on cheap caffeine but it's diet no empty calories also and i remember scott <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we are the historical true crime podcast that brings you tales of history and crime from 1950 and before because the good old days weren't always so good and we are going back to the bad 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 old days before way back in time today
2: Fucking but, vicious.
1: Yeah, before we get to any of that, we have a little surprise for someone on this podcast. So, uh, I am going to present a window. I am literally so excited about this that I am shaking. Why isn't it giving me, oh, son of a bitch, new laptop. Hang on a second. Let me see if I can make this work.
2: Okay.
1: Yes! <laughs> <laughs>
2: For those that are listening, uh, we have a new logo this week, and our friend Amber is finally included in the logo. (laughs) Pink hair and all.
1: And a Molotov cocktail.
2: Because fire. That
1: would be my weapon of choice, too. Uh
2: I've I've said it before. I'll say it again. Fire is your new god, and Amber will show you best how to worship. Yes.
1: (laughs) This is our new logo, courtesy of the very talented and wonderful Katie Sikalski. Thanks, Katie! Yes! She did a fantastic job incorporating Amber into our little tableau of historical true crime aficionados that we are. I have been so excited about this (laughs) for a while now. I was like, oh, I'm going to get the show the logo to Amber! So excited <laughs> that is awesome i love it <laughs> so yeah instead of our standard episode art this week we're just going to go with the logo so you should be able to see that uh on your you know whatever you're listening to podcasts on and it'll also be up on our, our social media pages as well as over on pod where we're hosted so yeah very exciting
2: <laughs> does katie have a link where we can pimp out her artwork
1: Oh my goodness, let me uh, look her up on Facebook real quick. Okay. I'm still shaking. I'm good.
2: So am I, I but try that's...
0: my hair pink again. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking too, but it's all the caffeine.
1: All right, so Katie and uh, just K ksekelsk y.com. And she also, in addition to doing wonderful illustrations, she does some trivia stuff. I, I know she had a, like a trivia day calendar, I believe. And she does lots of, uh, she does a, a, an entire month of bird art every year. And uh, does some amazing, amazing illustrations there of different birds. It's fantastic. So, so yeah, definitely check out uh, Katie and also it's uh Piper Valley Studio is what I'm seeing when I go to the, the web page. So yeah, Katie is, she's a hometown girl. She's uh, she's from my hometown. We didn't know each other there. We didn't know each other until she moved here. And then we we met uh, by the weirdest happenstance. But yeah, she's an amazing, amazing artist. And yeah, I was so excited when I got this. I was like, oh, look at Amber with the pink hair and the Molotov cocktail. <laughs> Only took a year and some months. That's <laughs> all right. I love it. We had to make sure she you- was going to stay. <laughs> yeah, you had you had just joined like t- it was less than 2 months after we got the logo done.
0: <laughs> I was so, patient. I didn't even bring it up. I was like eventually, eventually I'm going to be in there.
1: <laughs> I was just uh waiting to have uh, enough money in the coffers to get a, a redo of the logo. And so yeah, so thank you very much to our patrons and our advertisers so <laughs> that we can yeah, have an right. accurate logo. <laughs> <laughs> It is all thanks to you guys. So, yeah, speaking of patrons, you should check out our Patreon. That is patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. And we have some really amazing stuff over there. Amber told us a story of a murder that was pretty horrifying but ended with some spooky, spooky stuff. So that was fun. And those are all available. All of these, we call them our old tiny crimies every week you get a new one where one of us tells the other two a story that they don't know. It's super fun. We have such a great time over there and that's $5 a month. You get that. And you also get a shout out at the end of the show where I will sing your name like the huge dork that I am. (laughs) So you should definitely check that out. We are, uh, by this time this episode airs, we'll have over 70, tinies over there and that's an addition to our monthly extra extra bonus episodes where we do a little something special and different every time so definitely come check that out so uh somebody who was uh, a little extra special and different was pope john the 12th
2: yay catholicism
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we are going to be talking about him today Definitely an interesting guy. Uh, and so, yeah, Pope John, I'm going to actually go a little bit into his family history because he has an interesting family history, as many of the interesting people in history tend to have. So he I'm going to talk about his grandmother and his father, mostly his grandmother, because she was something. Her name was Marazia. And this would have been in the late 800s, early 900s in Rome. So Maratia and her sister, as well as their mother before them, these were known to be very beautiful, wealthy sex workers, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But they held enormous, enormous power. They essentially ruled Rome through the men around them. They, they just used them as puppets. They had a huge influence on the selection of popes and in just the general religious business in in Rome. Between the 16th and 19th century, sometime during that period, over a thousand years later, theologians and historians were looking back on this period when these two, the the sisters, were in, in power. And they gave this period a variety of names. Okay. So we have the Seculum Obscurum, which is the Dark Age or Century. The heterocracy. Whoa, no. Heterocracy? No. (laughs) Heterocracy. We're gonna go with heterocracy. Uh, or the government of mistresses. Another name was the rule of harlots. Like it.
2: I I would like that too.
1: Oh, just wait. No, Scott, I'm not done because now we have Scott's favorite system of government. The most common. I want to
2: pay my taxes by eating pussy.
1: It's the pornocracy
2: yeah. <laughs> from the Isn't German that
1: what we live in now. <laughs> kind of. Yeah,
2: I wish from
1: the, the German pornocracy and the Greek pornocratia or rule of prostitutes. That's how those fucking translate.
2: great. When There's, I saw. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead go, go ahead, Christy. I was
1: just going to say, when I saw pornocracy, I was like, oh, this is for Scott.
2: Honestly, I, I think that's the second change I would make to the government. I, I was actually, I was reading today that, like, Biden is taking the weekend and playing golf. And I was just sitting back thinking, when are we finally going to get a fucking president that takes the weekend and plays Dungeons and Dragons and Nintendo?
1: <laughs> right?
2: I will kill for that. And then a pornocracy on top of that. Probably we'll get <laughs> them at like the same rule? time.
0: Is that a rule, though? Like, they have to play golf? Like, what the? Uh, a bunch of white,
2: white men with clubs. You never heard about Barack Obama playing golf.
1: He I think he, he did. Yeah, you did hear about it. But a lot of it is, uh, there's a lot of wheeling and dealing on the golf course. There's a lot of power stuff that goes on there. But in Rome, there was a lot of that going on in the bedrooms, apparently. Where it should be. Exactly. <laughs> in the book, The Bad Popes, Eric Russell Chamberlain said, women were never again to enjoy such power until the coming of the Renaissance there was one man who did a lot of biographying of people in this era and he called them shameless strumpets, but even Chamberlain who was writing the bad popes in 1969 was able to recognize this biographer as bitterly hostile. Yeah.
2: So. <laughs> I, I see nothing wrong with this form of government. It works for the bonobos. Why can't it work for us? <laughs>
0: I just want a T-shirt that says "Shameless Strumpet." I do
2: too. I think there's something for the for the store.
1: <laughs> I think so. A shameless strumpet, leader of the pornocracy.
2: Coming soon to Old Tiny Crimey's store: Shameless Strumpet uh, shirts. Christy, make that happen. I'll I help. Think
1: she'll make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Marazzia started her career in the pornocracy and arguably started the pornocracy itself when she was concubine to a pope. She was 15, he was 45.
2: Pope Epstein mo- I.
1: <laughs> yeah. Her mother had been legendary in this respect as well, but the same biographer who called her a shameless strumpet said that Marazia and her sister, quote, could surpass the mother in the exercises that Venus loves, which uh-huh. is my new
2: favorite euphemism. That's that's pretty good. She's a great president. She can suck the bullet out of a gun with the safety on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Marazia slept with uh, and married lots of powerful dudes, and many of her descendants would be pope. That included a bastard son, two grandsons, two great-great-grandsons, and I'm sorry, two great-grandsons and a great-great-grandson. There was lots of grading and grandsonning in there, and it was a lot, so. One of the popes, John X, made her a senatrix, which is the feminine version of senator. So it, it, in that time, that was basically lord of the city.
2: I, I, have, I have kind of a crush on AOC. And uh, by heavens, I think senatrix might be what I used to, deter, uh, to, to describe her from here on out. <laughs> Come on, Exa- Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is fine.
1: Oh yeah, she is. But is she? Uh, is she in the Senate or the House?
2: I don't know. Can I just call her a Senatorix because a House of Tricks sounds sure. weird?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> she is the United States representative, so she is in the House. But still, go ahead. Senatorix is awesome. Yeah, it is. Better, better than Representativeix. So. So yeah, John X made her senatrix. He was maybe or maybe not her mother's lover. Details are it being 1100 years ago, a little sketchy, believe it or not. By 926, she was in nearly total power, says Chamberlain. She was a lay person, yet she controlled the supreme sacerdotal office of Europe. She was a woman, yet she dominated a purely masculine society, twisting the complex constitution of the city to serve her own ends. I love this bitch. I bet she did dominate too. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, she did. In 932, she was doing her thing and marrying another powerful dude. And that was the king of Italy. He was just Hugh. King Hugh.
2: What a weirdo. They were. King (laughs) Hugh the Nothing. (laughs)
1: Right? Well, they were a perfect pairing, according to Chamberlain, who said that certainly Hugh was the most accomplished satyr of his day. His royal court resembled a brothel at which Italians marveled.
2: Too impressive an (laughs) Italian.
1: Yeah, right? Yeah. (laughs) But the newlyweds didn't exactly have a bright future again because shit was about to get dramatic, thanks to the friction between Muratia's son, Alberic II, who was 20 at the time, and King Hugh. So uh, the wedding bells are ringing, and Alberic is like, "This is this is not right. I don't like this marriage, and also it's a threat to any power I might have or gain in the future." So the things that were wrong with it. Technically, it was going to be an illegal marriage under canon law because Maratia had been married to Hugh's half-brother, and that was considered incestuous. Oh, and also, he was already married, but he took care of that, don't you worry. He he took care of it somehow, and I, I imagine either poison or blood was involved, so... Shit. Hugh had actually done some finagling to get around the whole incest thing. He talked shit on his mother's memory. He had his half brother branded a bastard. And there was another brother in the family who didn't like all of this. So he was like, hey, you over there, could you come over, you see my brother over there? Could you come dig his eyes out and toss him in the dungeon? Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's getting serious. So, and Maratia had likely killed or ordered the assassination of Guy, or Guy, I'm not sure how it would be pronounced, the half-brother she'd been married to, who I should stress was not Alberic's father. And then, on top of all that, Alberic had been hearing rumors that Hugh was going to have him blinded, which Chamberlain said was the universal method of rendering an enemy helpless, and apparently Marazio was just cool with that. She was like, yeah that's fine, blind my son, that's that's a good way to start a marriage.
2: Yeah, here's a pair of scissors. You do it in one yeah. swipe. Cause if you just, <laughs> you just stab once, they're gonna, they're gonna squirm harder for the second one. A pair of scissors, get it both at once.
0: But that's so uh, weird. So like, they're like, oh, we love each other. Let's get married, but first we gotta kill all these people.
1: Mm-hmm. And <laughs> blind my son, or at least that was the plan.
2: That's what Ariana and I did. So many people got hurt.
1: <laughs> so. Both Hugh and Alberic were pretty ruthless dudes. You can already tell that from uh, Hugh's history and Alberic. Yeah, Alberic uh, was pretty much like, "There's, there's not room in this town for the both of us." So.
0: Well, especially if he's gonna get blinded, I would like strike first. Yeah, right? yeah.
2: <laughs> That's what I should have done with my brothers.
1: <laughs> well, he did. Uh, the wedding ceremony actually did take place. It was administered by the Pope, who was also Marazzia's son. And, but there was needed to be another ceremony that would make Hugh and Maratia the emperor and empress of the West. But between these two ceremonies, Alberic's been giving his stepdaddy to B, the side-eye, because he's like, no, I'm not about to let this guy be the emperor. A, he's going to blind me. B, he's going to take my power. C, there's a million things wrong with it. So no. So then there's a feast after the wedding, and that's when the drama starts. So this is straight from uh, The Bad Popes by Chamberlain. Alberic was pouring out water at his mother's bidding for his stepfather Hugh to wash his hands, probably a deliberate humiliation that Maratia had imposed upon her son to emphasize his subordinate role. The young man clumsily spilled the water, and Hugh struck him across the face. Alberic ran out of the castle, shouting to the Romans to rise to defend their honor and their lives. And what he said was, the majesty of Rome has such to, sunk to such depths that now she obeys the orders of harlots. Could He's calling his own mother a harlot. You like that?
2: Well, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> yeah.
1: Could there be anything viler that the city of Rome should be brought to ruin by the impurities of one woman and that those who were once our slaves should now be our masters? If he should hit me, his stepson, when he had only recently come as our guest, what do you suppose he will do when he has taken root in the city? So that got the mob riled up and they've they been pretty fine with all of this before, but that was really all it took. They—they they, Now there's an angry mob and they are coming for Hugh. Well, Hugh wasn't going to deal with that. He's like, nah, this, this is it's not worth it so he actually slid down a rope to escape the castle you gotta love the classics
0: it sounds very
1: like fake like disney did
0: this but it was an ogre
1: like yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so yeah he ran off with his army and then the mob came and grabbed up mrazia presented her to her son alberic as a prize after which Alberic immediately had her tossed into the dungeons and took the throne that she had occupied in all but name. She ended up staying in prison until her death five years later. Chamberlain, he's he's got some pretty good writing here. I really like it. He said, A woman still young and beautiful, enduring a living death, but one that did not stain her son's hands with a terrible murder. And while she raged her life away... In the sunlit streets in the city above her, a nonviolent revolution brought her son to a power, the like of which Rome had not witnessed for centuries.
2: Ooh, them's words.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's some good stuff. I couldn't couldn't not include it. So yeah, he definitely, you could see Alberic not wanting to actually commit matricide, so he kind of did the passive version. Just get her out of the way, put her in the dungeon, and she'll die eventually, was essentially the deal. That's not how you treat your mother.
2: Yeah, some mothers deserve it.
1: She wasn't super nice to him either. That's (laughs) fair.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Alberic would rule Rome for 20 years, and he started out really young. Like, he was 20, but he wasn't half bad at it. He made it a point to drive out all the, the decadence and the wickedness that had previously made the rest of Europe wrinkle its nose at Rome. I mean, Rome did not have a good name on the European stage at this period of time until Alberic came to the forefront. He did have some more familial adventures, though. Four years after taking the throne, in the year 936, he married King Hugh's daughter, Alda of Vienne, who, for those following along at home, would be his stepsister. It's not technically incest, but it's also not not icky.
2: Yeah, but it makes it really easy to throw insults around to your family if you don't like them. You know, that's
0: true.
1: Was it like Slim Pickens? Like, (laughs) well, there's there's a couple possibilities. Either I don't know the stepsister thing. Like, somehow. It is illegal to marry your half-brother's wife, but not to marry your stepsister. None of that makes sense to me, but apparently uh, Hugh and Alberic had kind of smoothed things over and Hugh was fine with it, or Alda of Vienne was a double agent working for her dad is one possibility that's been floated.
2: Oh. So. God, I'm just thinking yeah. about one of the best insults I ever gave somebody. I was so pissed at... I have two brothers and a sister. We're just going to call them John, George, and Mary. John was really pissing me off. The other two were as well. So I looked at John and I said, hey, John, Mary said your dick tastes like George's ass.
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Jesus Christ.
2: So what I'm saying is don't sleep with your family because, you know, that one family member has a lot of ammo.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. You're giving giving a lot of ammunition to people. So you better be prepared to take it. Mm-hmm. So. Now, the records on Alda of Vienne as far as her age, I should note here, are one way or the other, I can't I can't tell what's happening. She was either born in the year nine eleven, which would make her twenty-five when she married her stepbrother, but there are a few sources that have those numbers reversed. They have her born in 925, so she would have been 11.
2: <laughs>
1: oh. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that she was born in 911. I'm really fingers crossed for Alda. So, Alberic went on to have a son. His name would be Octavianus or Octavian. His mother is unknown. It really, different sources, you know, sources very wildly. Uh it could be Elda, or he could just be the son of some random mistress, because apparently while well, Alberic was driving out all the you know decadence and such from Rome, he wasn't driving it out of his own bedroom <laughs> no. and one of I think one of the reasons that this is such a question as to Octavianus's mother is because the records have him being born either in nine thirty or 937. So, since uh, Alberic and Alda were married in 936, that that is where the question comes in. And even if it was, even if the birth year is 937, that doesn't rule out a mistress. So, no. you know. So, by the time Octavianus is growing up, the family has been powerful in Roman politics and church re- rulership for about the past fifty years or so. So, this is he's. he's Born into a family that rules the entire the entirety of Rome. And that's that's pretty it's, it's, it's a big deal. There's not a lot known about his childhood. There's speculation that he was probably raised with lots of military training from his father. The other route that he his father could have taken him would be to raise him as a future priest, but he wasn't known to be particularly. Uh, smart as far as book learning was concerned. He wasn't even really good at Latin, which it was Rome.
0: <gasps> I think my favorite thing that I, I have about this is that he was essentially raised to be an ancient Roman equivalent to a frat
1: boy.
2: Yeah!
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. It seemed that was the path he was on. Now the thing is about the whole good not good at Latin thing Actually, education wasn't so hot in Rome at the time, so he he wasn't alone. But still, you would think being raised in the most powerful family in all of Rome, you would maybe be good at Latin or at least decent.
2: So Passable would be good.
1: Passable (laughs) would work, yes. Fucking
2: overrated if you ask me being able to communicate.
1: (laughs) Who (laughs) needs it, said the podcaster.
2: Fuck that shit.
1: One thing Alberic worked to do was separate what they called temporal power. So he wanted the political temporal and secular power. Imp- temporal is, power. Is he a fucking he wanted- time lord? No. <laughs> I wish that'd be fun. Uh, so he he wanted the political and secular influence to be separated from the papacy's spiritual and religious power. Essentially. Separation of church and state. That's what he wanted. But in 954, Alberic died of a fever. He did have a deathbed wish. And when you're the ruler of Rome, those hold a lot of weight. People people listen, especially when you get all of the powerful people around you. So his final wish is that his son, Octavianus, would be made prince upon his death. And then whenever the current pope died, Octavianus would be elected the next pope. So if we go by the 937 uh, age, which is what I went with, or birth year rather, Octavianus would have been about 16 or 17 at the time. So we're just going to give him all the power, religious, secular, just give it all to him. But you know what? So
0: this was actually illegal to do. You were not allowed to appoint the next Pope, if the Pope was alive. So right there,
1: totally illegal. Deathbed or not. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing is, is that really, Alberic went hardcore with the whole deathbed thing. Uh, He (laughs) had them uh, swear on like the bones of a saint
2: (laughs) that they would follow
1: through on this. Yeah, he got serious.
2: Just a written contract is fine. Come on.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: No reason to bring human remains into this.
1: There's a saint
0: over there. Dig him up. Yeah. We need his bones. Yeah,
2: get get, get <laughs> that fucker over here. Put your hand on him. You're just hovering over. Put your hand on it, or it doesn't count. Touch
1: it. Oh, I should, I should correct myself. It was not uh, a saint. It was an apostle. Hmm. Pretty same thing in my eyes.
2: If <laughs> an apostle doesn't get into heaven. What kind of apostle are you dealing with? Unless his last name is Iscariot Well, how do we know he didn't get into heaven What i'm so well okay in okay so anybody who actually makes it into heaven is a saint absolutely anybody if your mom gets into heaven she's a saint if hitler made it into heaven guess what we have a saint hitler doubtful but non-zero possibility um anybody who makes it into heaven is a saint just the catholic church calls certain people saints because there is no doubt that these people did make it into heaven, um, okay. so I can't see an apostle not being a saint as well. That would be a weird situation. Somebody who was faithful and followed Christ, except and, for Judas. Except for Judas, and you know what? I've read some. I've read some some old texts. I've read the Gnostic Gospels. Judas very possibly made it into heaven if the Gnostic Gospels are true. Um, I'm. I buy the whole demiurge thing. Uh, but at the same time, if they're an apostle, I can't see them not getting into heaven.
0: So that makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah, he was a saint and also an apostle.
2: Yes, it's like it's a sandwich, it's a burger.
1: It's it's probably that he's the whoever's bones this supposedly was was named as an apostle because that's a little rarer thing than a saint. Then yeah. apparently, yeah. So. So, yeah, okay, thank you for the education on saints. That's very interesting. Uh, I think I'm
2: right. I'm 95% <laughs> sure I'm right about this.
1: I'm
2: sure some Catholic priest is going like, oh, why, if my parishers knew I listened to this, I'd be going to hell, but I need to type. Uh, I'm sure somebody <laughs> will correct me here.
1: So uh, Chamberlain said that by doing this, by giving in to Alberic's final wish, the nobles loved him and so swore and ensured the destruction of all that he had created. Oh, so, a little bit of foreshadowing there.
2: You're going to fuck it because, up. Stop touching it.
1: Yeah, because by... All right, so Alberic had worked so hard to separate the political and spiritual powers under the papacy, but then his dying wish is to reunite them. It's kind of stupid, and I wonder how bad that fever was and if he was maybe a little bit addled. Oh, no, not quite in his right mind. Could be Could yeah. be yeah, it's it really seems like he was doing this to continue the family line in in power and not necessarily thinking of the bigger picture. So Octavianus becomes prince. And at the time of Alberic's death, the Pope was Agapetus, Agapetus, something like that. the second. He died within a year. He left a a legacy of having led a holy life. That was not what what Octavianus was going to do. So, Octavianus, thanks to that dying wish, was elected Pope. He made his papal name Pope John the 12th. So, from now on, Octavianus is going to be referred to by his papal name, Pope John the 12th. And he did that, he kept Octavianus as his princely name because he wanted to keep the two names separate. He would, you know, sign documents for each particular position with the name ass- he assigned to that role. And he also wanted to kind of emphasize, you know, hey, I don't have just one name. I have two names because I'm both the prince and I'm the frickin' pope.
2: 2nd mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Look at these testicles.
1: He was only the third pope to take a papal name. We actually, we think of this automatically when there's a new pope, that they're going to take, you know, a, a new name and that'll be their papal name. But there, really, it was not the done thing. The only other two who had done this had been 400 years ago. So he's kind of, he's bringing it back. It's retro, you know. Now, John Twelfth. Now, he did have, according to Chamberlain, some traits that if they had been encouraged, if they'd been made to flourish, may have made him... An okay-ish ruler. He was pretty brave, he was a smooth talker, he was generally attractive to people. But the negatives really got in the way of the positives here. He was too lazy to really reach very high or try very hard. He was a freaking teenager, so of course he was impulsive. He was self-indulgent, he wasn't great at the military stuff. He tried one military expedition in the early days of his role, and basically got spanked and sent home to uh, whoever his mommy was.
2: <laughs>
1: we don't know. And the thing that he really did, the probably biggest reason that he's considered, a bad Pope is because he was bringing all that debauchery and crime back. That had been big before his father's rule. He was bringing it back. He also looked at Rome as a personal piggy bank. Uh, Chamberlain said, Rome's chief income came through the coffers of St. Peter, her chief industry, the production of priests and exploiting of pilgrims. The power of the city lay wholly in the hands of the great families ensconced with private armies in indestructible castles. So these families, these great families are taking the money from the church, and that is essentially their income. But John was like, that no, no, that that's mine. That's that's my money. And he used it to finance gangs of armed men who would basically plunder and pillage Rome. The city he was ruling. He's ransacking the city he's ruling with the city's money. I wanna My now
2: I wanna see that. A bunch of just Catholic thugs like roaming the street, like, what you crying there for? My my dad just died. It'd be a real shame if somebody put him in a place where he just burned all the time. And we <laughs> have to get some of my boys to pray real hard about that. Where the fuck's my money? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs>
1: And so, yeah, the crime was back. The city had been so peaceful for so long, but that was no more. And then there was the debauchery. Another quote from Chamberlain. Boy, I'm quoting him heavily here. It was as though the dark element in his nature goaded him on to test the utmost extents of his power. A Christian Caligula whose crimes were rendered particularly, that is a hard word, peculiarly, I'm not even going to try, horrific by the office he held. You know what word I'm going for.
2: Peculiarly.
1: Peculiarly. But my brain wants to make it particularly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just all gets all mixed and muddled up when it comes out of my mouth. So uh some of the stories. He and his gangs of armed men would assault female pilgrims in Saint Peter's Basilica. He took the Lateran buildings, which was a set of, of very famous properties that were owned by the church and were, were considered kind of a little on the holy side and he turned them into a big brothel. He stole church offerings. Bite the pillow for Christ! (laughs) Yeah. And then there were these accusations that would come up later and actually be put down on the record. Amber just made the universal sign for t-shirt by drawing a line (laughs) across her breasts. (laughs) (laughs) Bite the pillow for Christ. Oh, If I may say, but it's so much more appropriate now. Jesus Christ!
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. This this kind of shit, though it it hasn't really stopped. It's just become more subtle. If you want to see uh, just one of the best fucking lists of shit the Catholic Church does that's horrible, there is a song uh, that I think it's a uh, I think it's Trevor. It's the, it's the guy from uh, Whitest Kids You Know, Trevor Moore. He, he wrote a song about the popes. And that whole skit of like, you know, bitch, where's my money? It'd be a shame if your grandma burned. That's, that's lifted from there. But I mean, the list that he goes down, it's like he starts off with like, you know, okay, whenever you go to visit the Vatican, uh, you know, they're going to make you buy stuff. And then it goes from there. He like just drops in. With like them, the child sex things and like, oh, if a priest gets fresh, gonna move into another church, game on again. And the uh, like funding warlords telling people not to use birth control, even though it's it's, uh, I'm stacking money higher than the rate of Africa's AIDS is one of the lines in the song where they control the media. And it kind of ends on like, oh yeah, not no one can touch us because I've got... I've got diplomatic sovereignty. I'm my own nation. You know who did that for us? Mussolini. Yeah. Shoot him in the face. Shoot him right in the face. Uh, Mussolini came to them, line in the song. He goes, I, you didn't see the Holocaust. I said, holla who? Oh <laughs> my God. So yes, make money. I'm the motherfucking yeah. Pope and I make, make money. That shit goes on today. It's just a little bit more in the back. I'm that shit went on earlier. I kind of think the new Pope, I actually kind of like the new Pope and I have all the hope in my heart that this guy is the guy that's going to turn the Catholic church around. He seems like a good Pope. He's such a good Pope. A lot of Catholics fucking hate him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, That's the mark of a good Pope. I'm sorry, Catholics, but (laughs) that's the mark of a good Pope for society. Maybe not for Catholics in general, but for society and and the, the world. So so
2: so we can sit here and say until we're blue in the face, look at how bad it was then. Oh thank God it's okay now. No, no, it's not really. They just got better at hiding it. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And I guess there, there was were some attempts on John the 12th's part to to hide it, but this stuff came out anyhow and, and ended up on the record. He's a fucking
2: teenager. What the fuck does he know about hiding shit? I'll put the Catholic church between my mattress. No one will say it. (laughs) He took
1: money under the table for ordaining bishops. So if you want to have a bishop, all you need to do is slip a little money into his palm. One of those bishops was 10 years old. (laughs) A 10-year-old bishop. I want to see it.
2: I forgive you for your sins. Can I have a lollipop now?
1: Any of our listeners who are artistic, if you, if you drew, drew that, uh, you'd be my
2: new best friend. <laughs> new on NBC for 1986, Kid Bishop.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he ordained a deacon in a stable. Why I don't know. Because it was years. a horse.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and that was actually illegal too, because it was not a sacred place. Yeah. So aside from being fucking ridiculous, (laughs) it was illegal.
1: Yeah. And as for sacrileges, quote, inquiries were hardly necessary as it was a matter of eyesight, not hearsay. As we go regards the Pope's adultery, they had no visual information, but they knew for certain he had copulated with Rainier's widow, with Stefana, his father's concubine, with the widow Anna. And with his own niece. Man, it got incesty up in there. <laughs> he raped his sisters, too. Oh, I didn't see that part. I'm not surprised at all. I'm not surprised. Yeah, but it, wow.
2: It was whenever I was reading over this, the similarities between between Pope John the 12th and fucking serial killer Ed Kemper were kind of similar.
0: Yeah? So- here, here's what I have. So he had sex with both women and men in the palace, and when visitors would refuse his attentions, he went ahead and raped them anyway. This also included his two young sisters.
1: Ugh, scumbag. Absolute mm. scumbag. Other charges uh, eventually laid against him, things that he did during this time. He had hunted publicly? Okay. That motherfucker! That motherfucker! <laughs> Yeah. He escalating very much in this next thing. Castrated a cardinal subdeacon. (laughs) I have a bit about the hunting.
0: So At the time, the church was fighting against hunting, calling it a sin and saying that it was time wasted because it wasn't in prayer.
1: But you need food. Or, or unless unless they're just hunting for fun or tossing yes. foxes. So it,
0: was, it was like, yes, fox tossing. So they're basically saying, like, if you're hunting for fun, you're wasting time that you should be spending in prayer. And they were trying to make hunting for for pleasure a sin. So you
1: have the Pope doing it, though. So that I, kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of know, that doesn't thing. work.
2: <laughs> you know what? I'm kind of okay with the hunting for pleasure as a sin, strangely enough. Why would you... Why would you take a life, albeit that of an animal, just to yeah. get some jollies?
1: I'm on board with that too. Yeah. I'm I'm fine. If they wanted to do that now, I'm sure I'm. In, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm pretty sure that, but just by saying this, I'm going to have a lot of my neighbors hunting me down. So they're going to hunt a person for pleasure. But I agree. Like, I, it, it, it...
0: I'm totally cool for hunting for food, mm-hmm. fishing for food, hunting for food. Fine, totally good. Yes, but to like shoot like a deer just to kill it.
2: Mm-hmm. I can see like we do have something that's really fucking creepy here in Pennsylvania called wasting disease. I mm-hmm. could see going out there and going like, okay, if you kill a deer, it has to be a deer suffering from this wasting disease. Wasting so disease mercy is kill. Creepy. Yeah, mercy killing, mercy killing, killing for food. And hey, you know what? I'll even go a step further. If you kill the deer bring it to a processing plant and then we give that food to like homeless shelters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good on you. Good on you. Go out there, have fun, take your kid hunting, but just don't go out there to kill for. And then there's this bullshit of like, well, we got to kill the deer because if we don't kill the deer, the herd gets too large and they don't have enough food. So we're killing them so they don't die. What a bunch of bullshit.
1: They don't have enough food because we keep on building more and more onto the territory that they existed on. So it's not necessarily like herds are getting bigger and bigger every year. No, the the thing is, is that their space is getting smaller and smaller. Right.
2: Right. And absolutely. So I'm kind of I'm kind of strangely okay with that. That's probably gonna piss a lot of people out off. But yeah, so be it. It's we're encroaching on their territory. We should be able to like share the land with these. Other living, breathing, emotion-filled creatures, not just mm-hmm. wipe them out.
1: Yeah, I, my, my feeling on it is man has dominion over animals doesn't mean you need to be a dick about it.
2: That's not <laughs> the actual line from the Bible. If you, I was close. <laughs> no, no, no. If you look it up in the King James Bible, you're going to see dominion. But if you take it back to like the older texts that are in Hebrew and Aramaic, the word translates to stewardship which is am, a lot different than dominion.
1: I am not surprised at all cuz King James probably had the most of number of agendas in in having that Bible retranslated or whatever you want to call it than anyone previously had. So in I'm, I'm my, not shocked at all.
2: In my opinion, King James changing one word led to the Spanish Inquisition.
0: One of the original words was malachoy which translated to sexual sinner which then was changed into homosexual.
2: Mm-hmm. There you go. Remember
0: what it said.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. But you, you take a look, like thou shalt not kill. I've read some old texts where it's like, thou shalt not murder, which is a little bit different than killing, murdering. And, you know, the thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. That line led to the Spanish Inquisition. People fucking died. A lot of people died. But what's the line? Thou shalt not suffer a poisoner to live. Much different thing. Much different thing.
1: Yep. Talk about agendas. King mm-hmm. James Adam.
2: Mm-hmm. Fucking people named Jim. I tell you what.
0: <laughs> You've always hated people named Jim.
2: Yeah. For good reason.
1: <laughs> okay, but no offense to our Jim listeners.
2: <laughs> I got my eye on you, Jims.
1: <laughs> so, alright, so yeah, Pope that, that was a, an impressive tangent that also was on topic, so it wasn't really a tangent. That was, that was really good. <laughs>
2: right? Right? Yeah. I'll pull it from right here, baby, right in the noggin. <laughs> yeah.
1: This episode is brought to you by the Crime Juicy Cocktail Hour Podcast. As cool as we are,
0: even we have to admit that we don't have
1: all of the answers. Well, if our listeners are keen to explore deeper truths,
0: who would you suggest? I've really been enjoying the Crime Juicy Cocktail Hour podcast.
2: I love that show. I've learned so much. Like proper cannibalism etiquette. How a young lady can start a cult. What price all these babies I have at my house should be priced at so I can get them trafficked out. Bad Scots. Oh, And you know what? What the hell is wrong with Wisconsin? There
0: ain't
1: nothing wrong with Wisconsin. I will cut you. Come at
2: me, cheese eater.
1: The Crime Juicy Cocktail Hour. Learn some greater truths for yourself. So Pope John XII, he hunted publicly. He castrated a cardinal subdeacon, which of course resulted in that man's death. He blinded a man who was considered his spiritual father. And my personal favorite, quote, he had drunk wine for the love of the devil. Well, I don't know any other reason to drink it.
2: Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I love drink Satan, drink. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's gonna be my new my new toast every time. Uh, to Satan.
2: We probably so. shouldn't. <laughs> that's how the maybe Illuminati n- started.
1: Maybe not in restaurants. How about that? <laughs> so, and rarely, of course, rarely was his bed empty, as we've noted. And another thing that really pissed people off was that when his bedmates left, they left a little bit richer, not in gold, but in land. And that was pretty offensive to his fellow Romans.
2: I wonder if there was like some tier, like if you here's head, you get like a 500 square lot. Here's vaginal. You get like half an acre. Anal gets you four acres.
1: If you have huge tracts of land, you get huge Huge tracts tracts of land. land. Yeah. (laughs) He even made one of his mistresses a feudal lord and gave her a special gift of St. Peter's golden crosses and cups.
2: The fuck, man?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I may not be as super well-versed in Catholicism, but I know St. Peter is really important. (laughs) So giving away his shit, probably not going to get people on your side
2: can't imagine can't imagine that's a good thing
1: yeah i mean the papacy is called saint peter's chair i guess peter was the first pope Yes, is my understanding
2: peter the rock the rock upon which the church was built
1: all right there we go it's that was...
2: it supposedly uh starts with peter and it's going to end with peter there is a prophecy wow. Uh, where it says the last uh, the last pope will be Petrus Romanus Peter the Roman, um, and the prophecy was made after after uh, uh, Pope John the Twelfth uh, here, but yeah, it's like a, it's hundred and twelve short cryptic phrases in Latin that purport to predict the Roman Catholic popes along with a few anti-popes. It begins with Cel- Celestine the Second. And uh, we're kind of coming up here on Peter the Roman. I, I think if I'm not mistaken, Peter the Roman is supposed to be the current Pope. because um, yeah. I like, knew it was the end times. Eh, it's just for the church, just for the church. Um, yeah, it's uh, Pope the 112. So 111 was Benedict, uh, Joseph Ratzinger. And the uh, short phrase associated with him was glory of the olive. And Pope Benedict was an Olivetan order uh, monk before he was Pope. Uh, The one before him from the labor of the sun or of the eclipse of the sun, that's John Paul II. um, On the dates of John Paul II's birth and funeral, there were solar eclipses.
1: Oh, wow. That's yeah. some crazy shit. Uh, wow. You know what? Man, it's
2: like, Look, it's, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Oh, yeah. All that
1: prophecies always are.
2: Yeah, because I can do anything. Glory of the olive. I had olives on my pizza last night.
1: Olives are really good on
2: pizza. Uh, like olives. They were <laughs> accidentally put there. Anyway.
1: So... So yeah, this this was all going on. He's giving away Saint Peter's shit. He's 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 giving away land. And the the Roman nobility had a big part of keeping him in power. I mean, you power relies upon power. So, you know, like greater power relies upon lesser power. And the Roman nobility may have been this lesser power, but they still had a, a part to play in keeping him high up there. So they but they were, they were cool with all the sex, and they are apparently cool with all the rape, probably even the hunting, but it was giving away Rome to these you know random women who had warmed his bed for a little while that was not really pleasing them. They didn't like it for a long while. The, the, they, they just grumbled about it, but it was ineffective, didn't result in any sort of uprising or movement. So for a while, John kept his power.
2: Murder, castrate, rape, fornicate. That shit's fine. You start giving away the land. That's where we're going to have some problems.
1: Yeah, this is where we draw the line, Mm -hmm. at land.
2: At land. They're
1: not making it anymore. (laughs) 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 Then, a challenger arises. This is Berenjar II. He was the king of Italy. And his theory of ruling is basically violence is great as long as we're all getting richer and maybe i should also expand my territories a little bit here and there so uh chamberlain notes that that same bitter biographer who was writing shit about all the other women had some had some stuff to say about barring wife willa he basically said that willa would be the worst woman alive if not for her daughter fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a burn well, wow. whole family burn, yeah. whole matrilineal line burn.
2: I wouldn't trust them to sit the right way on a toilet.
1: <laughs> so for a while, Berenjar had been keeping his plundering and pillaging to northern Italy. But then he started looking at Rome like, uh, hey, baby, what you got for me? And he's, he's got that spark in his eye. So John's got an unhappy populace on his hands and now he has an invading horde or at least a horde that's about to try it. So he's looking around for help. Who he calls out to help to is King Otto, I of Germany. He says, OK, he pledges to protect the papacy and the territory of St. Peter. And part of this deal was that Otto would protect the papacy if he would be crowned emperor. John did that. And he he went along with it. He was like, sure, yeah. Okay, protect us and you'll be the emperor. That's fine. He kind of considered it an empty title, just a just an honorific that didn't really mean anything. The people really weren't on board. The last time a, a German had been pronounced emperor of Rome, it it ended quite badly, but this time it established the Holy Roman Empire. This was the beginning of the Holy Roman Empire that brought Italy and Germany together, Uh, although that would not always be such a super great situation, as you can imagine. Um, So uh, there were some problems along the way.
2: Whenever Germany is in power, things usually run pretty smoothly. (laughs)
1: So, yeah, John doesn't think this is a big deal, but he's actually establishing the Holy Roman Empire, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But he didn't really know Otto, and Otto was far more capable than John. He also knew a very smart thing that people in leadership should know, listen to your advisors. So he went to his advisors for any sort of information or help that would, he, he could use to consolidate power but he's also kind of he's kind of taking a a paternalistic in both the negative and positive sense uh, position with John he's trying to get John to straighten up and fly right he's trying to get him to be the saintly figure that a pope should be the person who is without stain and without blame and John's like yeah sure mister I'll do
0: that right now Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite things about this is, on that t- topic, it was saying that John surrounded himself with yes men and incompetent advisors, leading him to make decisions so baffling that Otto thought it was an axe. <laughs> 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 so Otto was like, "Is this guy like really dumb, or is this like to trick me into like this false sense of security of this guy's an idiot?" So I don't have to worry about
2: him. <laughs> I just, I just want to see like, like that guy, a you know, stuff like that. <laughs> and like everybody around him is like hitting themselves in the heads with frying pans. It's, it's got to be an uh, act, right?
0: It, I think that's kind of what it was because Otto would be like trying to help him out, being like, "Is this guy? This is fake, right? Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting pumped right now. Like, is there
1: cameras? <laughs> <laughs> like, he's literally like, he can't be that dumb." Can he? Yes. I love it. I love it. And, and John is just delightfully bonkers in the stupid shit he does. So Otto stuck around for a few weeks. And then, you know, he had promised in exchange for being emperor that he would go take down Berenjar to ensure the safety of the empire. And so he, he, he couldn't stay very long. And the second he hit the road... John turned right around and was like, hey, so uh, Berenjar, you want to be emperor? Because if you save us from Otto, who I literally just crowned emperor, I will make you emperor. <laughs> it's Makes so no messed sense. up. It's so stupid. So possible motives for this, uh, because he didn't like Otto. He saw him as condescending and overly pious. And uh, I wrote in my notes, John would have considered Judas Iscariot overly pious. <laughs> so,
2: yeah, yes. hanging around with that fucking hippie. Yeah,
0: he might he have probably he might have raped Judas. So, <laughs> yeah, probably he would have yeah.
2: raped Jesus. Yeah,
0: well, he ha- he was partial to young men that were hung like a mule. Oh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> that
1: could be depends on how he was hung, I guess guess so another possible motive was that he might have thought he needed to reverse course because of uh, the backlash against having a german emperor or it might have just been him attempting to display his power like hey look i'm the i'm the kingmaker except with emperors i can make and unmake emperors out of all these kings and they'll come if i so much as crook my pinky finger in their general direction so it's possible motives or my personal favorite, he's just a bonkers dumb dude. He's impulsive. He does what he wants when he wants. He doesn't have anybody stopping him. He's a bonkers dumb dude.
2: Yeah. That's mine. And
0: I agree with that. It's like the rich kid syndrome thing where they don't have, they've never had responsibility and so they don't fucking care. I think yeah. it's a lot of that.
2: <laughs> yeah. Agreed it's really easy to be fucking stupid if you've got a constant safety net underneath of you.
1: Mm-hmm. If you never fall and hit the ground, mm-hmm. you never learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. You never learn from your boo-boos. So. And,
2: uh, I can think of no bigger fucking safety net than the entire Catholic Church.
1: <laughs> yeah, right?
2: At the time. At the time.
1: So John goes to Berenjar with this offer, but Berenjar was too busy fighting Otto, who was... The emperor—it's a whole thing. So John turned to Berenjar's son, who has the just remarkable name of Adalbert.
2: <laughs>
1: Rolls right off the tongue.
2: I—I I know right it's—I know it's Adalbert, but I like to think Ad Albert.
1: Sure, we'll go with that. I like it. I like it. Then goes you can to do the, Ad the, Albert.
2: You can do the. Hey, it's Ad Albert. It's—it's <laughs> you know, it's close to Fat Albert. Is what I'm saying. If I have to explain <laughs> the joke. Maybe I shouldn't it. have went there in the first place,
1: We got it, yeah no, <laughs> I, I got it the hey, 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 really gave it away. Thank you, yeah, yeah. so he goes to Berenjar's son, Ad Albert, with uh, the, pretty much a similar offer, like, hey, come over here and protect us and from just people in general, and I'll make you emperor, but also from your father and from Otto and Albert was like i i i don't I don't know, dude that this seems a little shady, and then meanwhile. John is also going to the Byzantines, to the Magyars. It looks like he's he's worried that Otto is doing too good of a job beating Berengar, which was the reason that John brought him in in the first place. Like, shit, now I'm in trouble. Everybody to fight each other. I'm just going to sit here and watch.
2: Yeah, yeah. It would be genius if it would work.
0: yeah they all just killed each other and then all of a sudden the the papal state owns everything because everyone else is dead
1: yeah there you go not how it worked out but so otto was off battling Berengar, and word gets him he hears about all this sort of like backroom dealing that john is trying to do with every other person in power around him and he's like what in the flying hell is he up to so he sends some guys out to get the word on what John is up to. Like, Basically, he's like, go out and find out if this is actually true, because it's too dumb for it to be true, right? 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 And they come back with some stories. Rome is now an absolute violent mess, and John is debauching like he's never debauched before. But the the, you know... People who come and give Otto this news, they're like, okay, so here's the deal. You might have an in with the nobles in Rome because with all this violence, there's no pilgrims coming to Rome. They don't want to come if they're probably going to get killed in St. Peter's Basilica or assaulted or raped or whatever. So the coffers are emptying out because that was one of the main sources of income. The nobles might actually welcome you at this point because they're just going to want anyone who can make things more stable. For a little while, Otto was he was he seemed to be trying to give John the benefit of the doubt. He was like, maybe it's just a phase. And this is from Chamberlain. He is only a boy and will soon alter if good men set him an example. Berenjar must first be dislodged. Then let us address some words of admonition to the Lord Pope. His sense of shame will soon bring about a change for the better, and if he is forced into good ways, he will, perchance, be ashamed to return to his old habits. Otto is an optimist like we have never seen I before. Know. Poor it's, Otto. Poor here's, Otto. Here's yeah.
0: the thing, and I gotta bring this up. And I was trying to look to find out what the the life expectancy was down there because we keep calling him a boy, but I'm pretty sure they only live to be like 35. So he's a middle aged person now. Like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to be like, oh, he's just a boy, forgive him. Yeah, he's young, he's dumb, but he's also in the middle of his life expectancy. Like, most people were having entire families by the time they were 17 and 18 years old. And he just had not enough learning and way too much power, and it he's a monster.
1: So, yeah, Otto was actually, he, he was a good bit older, Uh, than John he was born in 912 and all this was going on in like the early 960s so you know he would have been uh, I have to do math now he would have been 50 around 50 probably we'll say Uh, and meanwhile you know John is at this point depending on when he was actually born which we don't know for sure but if we go with the 937 date you know he's he's Approaching thirty-ish, you know, mid twenties. So it, while all this is going on, so yeah, it, it definitely was. He had a very paternalistic viewpoint of John, but that wasn't. It wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna work out. He his 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 optimism would be slammed down hard. So, and despite that optimism, as I said, John's behavior gets more egregious. He actually accuses. Otto of not giving back the papal states like he was supposed to and Otto's like yeah because I don't have them yet I'm still fighting Berenjar (laughs) like I'm doing the job you asked me to do I can't actually give you the papal states back until I've got them in hand and so Otto heads back to Rome it's starting to get a reality is starting to sink in because Ad Albert has finally stopped waffling and had gone to Rome to be crowned emperor. So he's like, well, this is real. It's happening. I guess I better go take care of this. So Otto sweeps in in 963. He kicks John's ass. John kind of tries to put on a show of force. He even gets all armored up. They do manage to have a little bit of victory over Otto and his army, but it doesn't take him too long to realize that he is way outmatched in this situation. So he does what the next thing he can think of. He's like, I'm going to go and I'm going to steal everything I can carry from St. Peter's Basilica, and I'm going to skip town with my new buddy, Ad Albert."
2: (laughs) I hear Tiber is very beautiful this time of year.
1: Actually, Tivoli. They went to Tivoli.
2: Really? My notes say Tiber.
1: Uh, I think it was the Tiber River was, they, they did manage to get Otto's army past the, t- across the Tiber River. Um, and so, because I think that was a lot closer to Rome. So mm-hmm. yeah, they, that might be like a transcription error. But yeah, they headed to, to Tivoli, which is only about 20 miles away.
2: Here we Not go. I'm looking, I'm looking at the Wikipedia article on Tivoli. And back in those days, in Latin, it was known as Tiber.
1: Oh, there we go. We so that's what it is. Right. We're both right. That's rare.
2: That is. <laughs> Usually it's everybody's horribly wrong and it ends in a fight.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he runs off to Tivoli with his new buddy at Albert and a whole bunch of shit from St. Peter's. But Otto is now in Rome, and John can't escape consequences because Otto is going to make sure he doesn't. So Otto rustles up sort of a, a papal trial. They call it a synod.
2: So anytime, every, anytime I hear Synod, I think of the old Gene Roddenberry TV show, Earth Final Conflict.
1: But why, may I ask?
2: They called the group of aliens that landed the Synod.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah I've, I've, never, I've never seen it, so I didn't know the reference.
2: I, think, I honestly think Earth Final Conflict would be right up your fucking alley. I really do. I'll have to do. take a look at that. Yeah. See if
1: I can find it somewhere. So people come forward with all the graft, all the sleeping with widows and nieces and the castration, the public hunting, the blinding, the devil wine drinking. Those are essentially the accusations that they come forward with. Some of them are general and some of them are very specific and that actually becomes important. So and they're trying to really oust John and get in a new pope. John's response is basically, if you try to make someone else Pope, then I'll excommunicate every single one of you. And then he goes off hunting and fornicating some more because that's what he did. At the same
2: time? That's impressive.
1: Probably, Probably. yeah. Otto's like, cool. You're no longer Prince then. And here's the new Pope up for election, Leo VIII. The thing is, is Otto... Has like lots of irons in the fire all over the place. He can't stay there and keep an eye on shit forever, so he heads out. His mistake, one of his mistakes, was leaving Leo practically unprotected, and Leo is now the anti-pope, because technically, if if in fact John the twelfth was a lawful pope, which Amber brought up an argument that could be made there, he he might not be. Then that would make Leo the anti-pope because he's trying to be a pope when there's already a, a pope. It's, it's a whole popey situation.
2: I don't like the phrase anti-pope. I I move that we call it the danger pope.
1: I actually love anti-pope. Mm. It is for some reason one of my new favorite words. I don't know why, but I love the anti-pope. It sounds it sounds like an anti-hero. You know, like this guy's going to come in and he's going to do some, some kind of dark shit, but you're going to like him because he's also going to do some good shit, but probably for bad reasons.
2: I'm saying Danger Pope is the way to go. Just Danger
1: Pope is pretty good.
2: Danger Pope, it's like, oh man, the black leather miter is just amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so since Otto's gone, John can now sweep back into Rome and get back on his bullshit. And that's what he does. He comes back in and everyone is scared of him because they'd been talking shit while he was gone. And some of that's on the record, like at the in the synod. So the, the bishops of Europe are pissed off that he's made the church look bad and no one respects Rome anymore. And he's pissed off at everyone, too. He doesn't go after the basic Gospers, the people who just gave general information. But people who were specific... He goes hardcore on them. Uh, He has one dude's hand cut off. Another guy, he has his nose and fingers cut off. He has another guy scourged, which I learned is whipped. I've always heard, you know, the scourge of of the earth or whatever. Did not know it. One one meaning of it is whipped.
2: Now, I I think that it's actually a particular type of whipping. I'm only about 50-50 on this. I think scourges actually have little metal studs on like the on the ends of the whip. So it's like imagine a cat of nine tails, but with like a series of like stud metal studs on them. Kind of like imagine Stevie Wonder's braided hair, but like metal studs and now hitting your back at just under the speed of sound.
1: So I am making a horrified face right now. And Amber is wondering if there is an online store where she can buy this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, we, I was actually thinking that cause you were like, oh my God. And I'm like, I could, I could get on board with that until you <laughs> said like at the speed of sound, I was like, no, not so much that, but like all the rest sounded great. I mean, we, <laughs> we got you a flogging for your birthday one year. So it was fantastic. I, I enjoyed that thoroughly.
1: Yes, you did. Uh, One guy who didn't enjoy things thoroughly was the final uh, guy who had given some specific information at the Synod because uh, John had his tongue ripped out. That's a second segue in the same episode. I'm on fire, baby.
2: (laughs) It's going to make your food taste really bland.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So John gets Leo excommunicated, and Leo was nowhere to be found because... Who's going to stick around when you're, you know, the, the, the new pope or the anti-pope or the danger pope with the guy who has every reason to hate you is ripping body parts off his enemies left and right. You know, the, the smart thing to do is be to, to skidaddle out of there. skidaddle, get fucking daddle. Otto is still out there in the war field. This time he's battling at Albert, who is, remember, Berenjar's son. He doesn't have time to deal with all of John's bullshit. But then, he finds out the good news. He doesn't have to, because John is dead. Woo!
2: <laughs> John's really yeah. dead. John He's is really very, dead. very dead, dead. dead, doing one of the things he loved.
1: Well, probably. Probably. Uh, so it, it was May 14th, 964. Uh, after nine years as Pope, or, and, pope and Prince, And he was only 27 or 34, again, depending on the date he was born. So the three stories, as Scott said, doing what he loved. He was screwing a married woman. Her husband found out, came in, and cudgeled the Pope, his own holy father, with a beating so thorough that John died three days later.
2: There's something weird about walking into your bedroom and seeing the Pope on your wife. (laughs) I I, I can't blame the guy for beating him to death because what else do you do at that point?
0: You know what, though? I would argue that the beating was not thorough enough if it took him three days to die. Especially given, like, probably
1: medical knowledge at the time.
2: (laughs) I mean, at some point during the beating, you just got to sit... (laughs) At some point during the beating of the Pope who's just been fucking your wife, you just kind of got to sit back and laugh at the whole situation. So I can see why he didn't finish the job.
1: Yeah, yeah. A little distracting by the, 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 the comedic nature yeah. uh, of your life at that moment. Yeah. Uh, another less uh, interesting story was that he just had a stroke or apoplexy, as, as they called it. Um, then the story. So basically that whole idea of the husband coming and beating him, it kind of got turned into this idea that the husband was actually the devil who had come to take John the 12th back to hell where he belonged. It's like, you've been gone too long, John. Need you right here by my right hand.
2: Mm-hmm. You've done some good work here on Earth. Time to come home. We yeah. got the seat all warmed up and spiky for you. <laughs> Big old cup of piss waiting for you.
1: <laughs> Leo VIII then stepped in. Anti-Pope, danger, Pope or not. He, did some, he got to do some poping for a year or so, but he died in November 965. He was said to be a pretty good Pope. And that was John the 12th, but I found an article in the Carolina Watchmen ni- from 1917 that had a list of a, with just a few details, just very broad strokes for the other bad popes. And I want to give you guys some of the best ones because I think it's fun to read old-timey discussions of even older-timey stuff. <laughs> like, there's something very ancient meta about it. I can't explain it.
2: This Um, is like, uh, this is like whenever you see a movie within a movie, this is old timey crimey within old timey crimey.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Now I want to state right out. A lot of these are likely inaccurate and the descriptions are so brief that it can be hard to investigate them. Also some of the popes, their names were changed in later years due to some stuff that I wasn't going to get into. So, I just want to state flat out. And I, I do have like one case, especially where I'm going to bring up the, the funny inaccuracy, but all right. Pope Stephen Fourth in 768, a bloody tyrant of the worst character. Gregory Fourth in 827, bad in all
2: respects. You're just bad, nasty. Bad. You're t- he was just bad. That's what the next episode will be. We're going to talk about John Smith. He was bad. Join our Patreon. Roll credits. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Pope S. Joan 855, woman of bad character. But she is now believed to have been fictional, may have actually been influenced, come in full circle here, guys, by Marazia's powerful life in proximity to the chair of St. Peter
2: there you go for a while the, the papacy was really worried that there might be a woman hiding as a man so one of the prerequisites you had to sit on this little toilet like seat and let your testicles dangle now everybody was like "Yes, yeah, it's very nice testicles your your highness
1: i remember i think it was thinking sideways did an episode about that I but they miss- might have semi debunked that. I can't remember honestly. I, I would need to listen to it again in a while.
2: I fucking miss those guys. I would love to have them on the show sometime.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Same here.
2: Cuz honestly, thinking sideways, whenever whenever we started Old Timey Crimey, now what is it? 2 years ago?
1: Yeah, this is yeah. the one, this is our 3rd year.
2: Like the first place I went to find Old Timey Crimes was thinking sideways Mm -hmm. just went down the whole list i I loved love them i miss them so very much you're and if any of anybody's listening from that podcast your episode on the lake city quiet pills absolutely perfect absolutely perfect we miss you please come back we love you
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely uh in 858 Pope Nicholas I, accused by his bishops of tyranny and gross immorality. I think possibly my favorite, 872, Pope John VIII, very bad. <laughs> he's Join not our alone. Patreon. <laughs> yeah, he's not alone because Popes Alexander uh, and Innocent III and Clement V also get that reason in that newspaper. Just after their names, very bad. <laughs>
2: Pope, love it. I Pope love it. Corky the first, what a bastard!
1: 882, Pope Martin the Second dies from a horrible disease brought on by his impurity. Gee, I wonder what he was up to.
0: Herpes,
1: <laughs> syphilis. Oh, that's a that's a strangely fun word to sing. <laughs> syphilis. <laughs> syphilis, syphilis.
2: It's right up there with leprosy. Yeah, leprosy. Leprosy. All my parts are falling off of me. (laughs) I'm not half the man I used to be because (laughs) of syphilis and leprosy. (laughs) That was beautiful. Thank you.
1: you. (laughs) So, in 891, For Moses the First caused the death of hap half the people of Rome by his constant quarrels. Again, these are all from the newspaper uh, from the same article, 896. Stephen the seventh was strangled because of his wickedness. And uh, this is another one that was applied to more than one. Pope Benedict also suffered this fate apparently, but I, uh, I did a little look at because I, I had seen Stephen the seventh come up before in my research. He was also known as Stephen the sixth, because again, there's that changing of names what this article in the newspaper fails to mention, his wickedness probably was, or at least a big part of it, he had his predecessor's rotting corpse exhumed and put on trial. His predecessor being Formosus I. And so he had a deacon speak for the dead guy who was found guilty. Stripped of his sacred vestments, and they had the the blessing fingers removed. Those are the three fingers on the right hand that they do the blessings with. And then they had him reburied. But wait, there's more. Then they re-exhumed him and tossed him in the Tiber River.
2: <laughs> Here's the thing. I actually I read an article on the wonderfulcrack.com about this. The guy reading for the dead dude actually hid behind the chair and kind of made it like a puppet show.
1: Oh, you know, when I, when I saw that they actually put him on trial, I was like, that was what I had in my head as what you would think happened. I was like, that's the joke Scott's going to make. But it really happened. It really so happened. it's even
2: funnier. It really happened. Just, oh, I'm a bad man. Me, 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 me. They did everything but work the jaw. Which, oh, my God. I swear to God, it's just a fucking half-hearted. If you're going to dig the guy up, at least make him a decent ventriloquist dummy.
1: Right? I know. Some people just, they just phone it in. you fucking it.
2: phoning it in, man.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I love that they exhumed him, buried him, and for some reason re-exhumed him, just for, for the fun of it, I guess.
0: To piss on him and throw him in the river.
1: Yeah, I guess. And then John the Twelfth, our guy that we talked about today, is listed in the group of four popes that were so famously vile that the story of their lives never appears in print, which is not true because, I, like I said, there's that biographer that recorded all of this stuff. And now, granted, uh, the, the bad popes didn't come out until 1969, so, you know, like 50 years after this article, but it is, you know, uh, still, it, it, it was not print at that point. So that's, that's bad research on, on their part. Then the article goes on to give Leo VIII the death that John Twelfth actually had, caught in adultery and killed by the woman's husband. So I'm going to call this a clickbait article, except you didn't click. So I'm going to call it a newsy bait. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So then in 975, Benedict VIII murdered at a banquet in the Vatican by 60 of the leading men of Rome. His guests, and the way I personally want to go in 984, Boniface uh, the Seventh died in a debauch. That's how I want to go. I want to die in a debauch. So uh, 1038. This is uh, my last one. There were more in this article. The link is in the show notes if you want to look at it. But Benedict the Ninth, it said, made pope. Uh, made pope at age 12 deposed, restored, and then deposed again. And actually I said, it, I said it was my last, but technically I have one more from, from the two columns that were after this. 1294, Pope Boniface VIII, and this is where I'm gonna leave it. Romanist historians agree that this man was bad and say that he is still in purgatory. Actually, no. By historians, they apparently mean Dante Alighieri, author of The Divine Comedy. Not a historian, actually an author, a poet. And the Divine Comedy is, you know, the the, the three parts depicting the, the various sections of the afterlife. And another inaccuracy is that Dante depicted Boniface in the Inferno, which is, you know, hell proper, not in purgatory, and had him, like... Dante really hated Boniface. Like, he hated Boniface. He had him tossed into the pit of the Simonists, which your vocabulary word for the week is simony, abuse of power within the church. Yeah. So, and to Dante, simony was like spiritual prostitution and rape. You know, you're you're basically, you're pimping the church out and you're also raping it. So... The punishment in the particular pits, was, this was in the eighth circle, was to be stuck upside down into holes that were made to resemble baptismal fonts and flames would burn the soles of your feet. And then with each new arrival, uh, they would stuff that person in and the, that would push the other one deeper and deeper into the holes. And I would like to say that the Inferno is really fun literature. <laughs> It's good times, man. It's good times.
2: It's really good. It's really good.
1: Yeah. So that is all I have on John the Twelfth and a couple other bad popes. Uh, do you guys uh, have anything else you'd like to share? No, I'm good. That's pretty much all I got.
2: the there's there's something that I just love on the Wikipedia page, and this is just a minor little aside. Um, at the bottom of Pope John the Twelfth's page under C also, is the phrase list of sexually active popes. Huh!
0: <laughs> There's a list. There's a, right. list! There's a list
2: of sexually active popes. And, uh, you know, it's not a short list.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, some of them died from a debauch or from diseases gained from debauchery. So, yeah.
2: Some of these yeah. people actually had the gull to name themselves innocent.
1: <laughs> I love the Pope innocent. You're really just asking for it. You, you, you've got to be trying to be ironic there, honestly. Awesome. So yeah, that was Pope John the Twelfth and a couple of other bad popes and then a little bit of, of Dante. I actually took an entire class on uh, the Divine Comedy in college, so it was kind of fun to go back to that and be like, wow, I remember not a lot From college and that's sad so um so yeah we have a shout out to give to new patron lynette carney hi everybody say hi to lynette hi lynette hi lynette thank you for being a patron we appreciate it more than you will ever know and we hope you enjoy All of the wonderful goodies we have over on the Patreon. And for those of you who aren't the, you know, long-term relationship type, if you just want to leave us a buck on the nightstand, you can still get a shout-out by going over to paypal.com and using our email address, oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. Other things, don't forget about our merch, of which we might have more coming from this very show. So you can find that over at redbubble.com slash oldtimeycrimey. It might be oldtimeycrimey.redbubble.com. I really need to write all this stuff up and just print it out and put it here. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. So yeah, you can do that or just go to Redbubble and search for oldtimeycrimey and you'll find it. And don't forget about our social media. Things are really popping over there. Uh, Scott it does a really great job of bringing a lot of really interesting media related to the case and fascinating stuff so you can find us as Old Timey Crammy on Facebook and on Twitter and as always I'm sure I have more bullshit I cannot recall what it is and this room is really bringing out my allergies for some reason so uh, I'm going to mute while you guys tell us what's happening this weekend, and I'm just going just gonna to sniffle a whole bunch.
2: <laughs> I am just going to do some more 3D printing, uh, start investing in crypto and a little bit more stock here and there. It's, uh, yeah, I, I, it's more of the same, essentially. Making fat stacks of cash and printing out shit. Amber, how about you, buddy?
0: I actually have an excited, exciting week, I think. Um, So I'm getting my first immunization this week.
2: Woohoo!
0: Hooray! Um, My oldest wants to take her driver's test um, either this week or next. We kind of got to figure that out. She's got a job interview. Um, And then over next weekend, I'm going to go to the drive-ins because they have um, it is the new Mortal Kombat movie. Okay. And Godzilla versus Kong.
2: I saw Godzilla versus Kong. It was it was fantastic.
0: Double feature at the drive-ins. I can't wait.
2: <laughs> Man, that that might be tempting. i I may go to the drive-in on Saturday.
0: You could socially distance, watch movies, and bring all the snacks
1: you want in your car because nobody's looking.
2: I don't need to socially distance. I'm fucking vaccinated.
1: Right, well, we goodness. still need to socially distance, but. <laughs>
2: I'm probably going to anyway, just because fuck people.
1: Yeah, Scott was already socially distancing long before this. <laughs> Way before.
2: And I still He's caught it bull. twice.
1: The fuck? Yeah, right? So uh, I am not really sure what I'm doing this week. I have like a couple of random errands. I have a therapy session coming up that I'm kind of dreading because I have to confront some shit that's hard. But I'm going to do it anyhow because personal growth and putting your Putting your ship behind you is important uh, and and, and being able to live with it. So, yeah, I'm going to deal with that. Uh, I guess if I had to say anything, I would say make sure you listen to uh, the showcase that we published in our feed this past week. We have so many marvelous, wonderful podcasts who joined us for that. Some you might know, some you might not. But one way or the other, you're going to hear some amazing historical and historical crime mini episodes as we all come together and each you know podcast tells a little story and you definitely will find a podcast or two that you will love to follow or three or four or five or six if you don't know about them yet so you should ask first yes well i mean they're 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 listening to us so (laughs) they they'll always love us the most right (laughs) But yeah, definitely. If you haven't listened to that, please make sure you do. It's it, it has really been a super fun endeavor that we've been working to put together. And we're so, so thankful to the amazing podcasts who took part. And they have some really fabulous episodes, mini episodes for you to listen to. So, yeah, make sure that you check that out if you haven't already. And check out all the podcasts involved there. Their links to their shows will be available in the show notes. And we'll also make sure to put it up on our social media as well when the episode comes out, which it will have been Saturday the twenty, whatever uh, uh, 24th, I guess. So, I think. <laughs> I think. I definitely know what I'm doing, right? For sure. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my big thing is I'm very proud and excited and happy uh, about all this coming together and hopefully it's something that we're going to do again. So if you have a true crime podcast, a history podcast, and you're listening right now, get in touch and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll possibly include you in the next one. You know, definitely if if you can do a mini episode about crimes from 1970 before or before We're, we're stretching the the dates a little bit to include the other podcasts because we don't want to put such stringent requirements on other podcasts as we randomly ascribe to ourselves. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my big thing. I'm so excited about this. I think it's going to be super fun and I can't, I can't wait to do it again, honestly. So, so yeah, and I guess, I guess that's everything. And thank you so, so much for listening to our filthy words. We will see you later. Bye. 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 My sources this week are the book, The Bad Popes by Eric Russell Chamberlain, Mike Vago on the AV Club, newadvent.org, a couple articles on Wikipedia, several, or one newspapers.com. Thank you, Chris Garcia and Britannica.com.
2: My sources are wikipedia.org, Britannica.com, avclub.com history.com and I love the name of this Factinate.com.
0: my sources this week are somethingawful.com by Zach Parsons avclub.com by Mike Bago time.com by Ashley Hoffman fascinate.com by Rebecca Wong and historycollection.com by Tim Flight